What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 56, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Ergo. You can find us. You can find us on Google Play Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify Podcasts. And there's probably things that you can do when you find us on those platforms to indicate to Google Play Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts that you enjoy listening to this program. Maybe it's just listening to it. You know, now that I think about it, Zach, like they're probably like, we don't need you to click buttons. We know if you're listening. We're the all-seeing Google. We're the all-seeing Spotify. Right. right? So, you know, listen. Listen, friends, listen. And on Apple Podcasts, you can continue to listen and subscribe. And, oh, I didn't check either this week. And. Oh, I just checked it. We're fine. Okay. <laughs> and. As you were talking, Apple, I'm like, oh, I should check that up. I should, and I was doing check that. This. <laughs> and on Apple Podcasts, you should leave a rating and review. And the review part is because you think that I'm kidding. You think that I'm joking when I say that if somebody leaves a review, we're going to do a dramatic recreation. We've already done one. We've already done one. That is a true statement. It is a true statement. And if you leave a review, we will do two, maybe three. Can you imagine, Zach, if there were two people that did it? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I I mean, you know, you could really, really make this a challenge for us by sending out, you know, ratings. But it would be worth it, Brent. It it would be worth it. It would be worth worth it. Zach, if somebody wanted to give us a little pingy ping and say, hey, dudes, you don't seem to remember to check this until you're actually recording. Um, here's a little advance notice. I left you a review. How, how might they let us know that? Well, there are several ways that you can get a hold of us if you want to communicate with us in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the ways is to email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. That is W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-T-H-E-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Or smooth and steady. Uh, you know what? This time I figured just just do it. Just just read the letters. Just just, just read, read the letters. Yep. Just, yep. You know, no funny uh, business. It is really yeah. easy to go to add an extra e in there, like T H R O U G H E T H E. And I'm like, no, don't do that. Don't do don't that. Don't add the extra e. You add that extra e, and it won't work. Because if somebody emails walking through the stargate at gmail.com, they won't get to us. No, you might get to somebody, but it won't be us. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Zach and Brent, your podcast is Who Zach and Brent. This is this is walking through the Stargate. We're the we're the secret shadow organization that is behind the scenes of SG, SG, SGC. <clears throat> it, it, it's a, it's a it's an arm of the NID. <laughs> and you don't want to talk to them you don't want to They're, talk to them those guys are not so nice no um or you can follow us on twitter at stargate walking uh mm-hmm. contact us there talk to us there or facebook walking through the stargate we've got a facebook page go ahead and find that facebook page and hit that like button um or follow button or whatever it is i can't remember off the top of my head but then also go to the facebook group and Mm -hmm. say join join that and as soon as you hit that join button i say okay or as soon as i can because i get a ping that says somebody would like to join the group and i says absolutely uh and then join us in a conversation there uh as i am recording this i am still waiting for anybody who wants to give us predictions for this particular episode of ergo what did you give this what do you suspect that myself or brent gives this episode Mm -hmm. uh there is a space and we may have just got another ping on that oh no never mind just kidding oh okay different ping 
Sorry, Facebook is weird. In any case. Oh, oh boy. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, in any case, you can find us on those platforms. Uh, talk to us there. Uh, we do our best to talk to you as best we can. Um, but uh, sometimes we fail. Yeah. Yeah. We're humans. Uh, however, Brent, this is as good a time as any to wish everybody in the United States a happy yes. Thanksgiving. It's a couple of days happy after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving as we record mm-hmm. this. For those of you who are not in the United States, we give you a happy American Thanksgiving. Happy American Thanksgiving. Happy Saturday. And then for me, Zach. Yes. This is this is tipping a little of my, you know, this is this is getting behind the personal curtain just a little bit. Today, today, today is the most important day on the calendar for me. The most. Uh-huh. No, that's not true. There are other more important days. This is a very important day on the calendar for me. Okay. It's a very particular college football game that is extremely, extremely important. Entire, there are two states in the United States whose entire uh, uh, year is defined on this Saturday game. So the Michigan-Ohio State football game. It. No, it is not. It is one of the most exciting reasons to be alive. So uh, so <laughs> I am I am just literally just like, like squiggling in my seat in anticipation of the football game this year because this year we're gonna finally get them which tells you a little bit of where my allegiances lie um anyway but yeah so for those of you who uh who who also enjoy uh usually the saturday after thanksgiving um you know happy the game day because it's the game there you go Uh, so brent you know because Mm -hmm. this is a stargate podcast i'm going to ask you about football um yeah right uh, when was the last time that michigan actually beat ohio state why did you why 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 are you doing this to me zach why oh because i want to know and i don't know as we've talked before i don't know like squat about about college football and i want to know how badly i need to like sit and watch this game with you from you know states away and 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 you know root on your favorite team the best team well your favorite team literally it's in the it's it's literally in the fight song it's like the best okay all right, so uh, shall we get into some uh, background facts on this episode yeah. per go? Yeah, that'd be, probably be better then. Okay, yeah. all right. So this episode <laughs> is directed by Peter DeLuise. Yay! He has directed a whole bunch of episodes, Serpent Song, Show and Tell in Season 2. In Season 3, he's done Legacy, Point of View, Demons, Forever and a Day, Joel and Ours Memories, The Devil You Know, and now finally, Ergo. This is mm-hmm. his last episode this season. Mm. But Brent... Don't mm-hmm. get all teary-eyed, because this but, is not okay. the last episode that we will see Peter again. Oh, good. He has oh, good. 64 more episodes to go. <laughs> that is a lot. That is a big number. That is a big number. That is a lot uh, of television. Yep. Yep. Uh, he is part of this uh, show from this point on. Um I'm certain he has directed stuff in Atlantis and probably Universe as well. I just don't have those numbers. But he did sure. do, uh, in addition to the episodes I just listed, 64 other episodes in SG-1. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Yep. One of the things that Peter likes to do is add himself into his episodes. Mm-hmm. And for a number of episodes, I'm like, I've been looking and I couldn't find him. This and I knew from a long time ago where he was. But I'm curious, did you spot oh, Peter it was easy. in this episode? It was very easy this time around. This one was pretty easy. I mean, yeah. I mean it was it was front and center easy. Like, <laughs> look, here's somebody that looks a lot like Dom DeLuise. 
Ta-da! I'm right here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Uh, so when Ergo transforms himself into a younger, uh, irresistible self, it is Peter. Look at me. Aren't I irresistible? Yep. Oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, and of course, if you want to know more about Peter DeLuise, uh, go ahead and listen to some of those back episodes, particularly Serpent Song. I'm pretty certain that I share a lot more about his uh, back catalog and things that he's done in that episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode is written by Tor Alexander Valenza. Mm-hmm. You've heard his name before. He did Spirits and Holiday in Season 2, mm-hmm. and he did Legacy and Past and Present in Season 3, as well as this episode. And he's got one more credit in Season 4, and then we will say goodbye to Tor. Ah, uh, ciao. Yeah. Adios. Adios. Auf Wiedersehen. Sayonara. Wiedersehen. All loosely translated as... Okay. Guest actors in this episode. <laughs> uh, well, we, we, of course, have Terrell Rothery, who plays mm-hmm. Dr. Frazier. I remember mm-hmm. to add her to the guest actors because she technically is. Technically. Uh, but it doesn't feel that way. Uh, and, of course, the real big one was Peter DeLuise's dad, Dom, yep. who plays Ergo and Togar. Uh, mm-hmm. He was born in 1933 in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, his formative years as an actor were spent apprenticing at the Cleveland Playhouse, in which he played roles in everything from Guys and Dolls and uh, Stalag 17 to The School for Scandal and Hamlet. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. He was first noticed on the small screen creating the sketch character of Dominic the Great, a magician who tries in vain to mask his ineptness with feigned dignity on Gary Moore's popular show. I can totally see him doing that and doing a great comedic oh, job yeah. of it. Yep. Uh, he made an unlikely film debut as a high-strung flyer in the gripping nuclear drama Failsafe in 1964, starring Henry Fonda. It was in zany, irreverent comedy, though, that he found his true calling. Mm-hmm. Mel Brooks first cast Dom DeLuise as the miserly father Fyodor, I'll I'll get that out there. Uh, Yeah. In his film, The Twelve Chairs, in 1970, and he found, of course, plenty of room for this comedian. Thereafter, he was Buddy Bazaar in Blazing Saddles, the Mm -hmm. silly-ass director's assistant in Silent Movie, Mm -hmm. Emperor Nero in History of the World Part Mm -hmm. 1. He played the voice of the cheese oozing Pizza the Hut in uh, Spaceballs. (laughs) He was Sherwood Forest's very own puffy-cheeked godfather, Don Giovanni, in Robin Hood Men in Tights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this is I'm, just... I, yeah, I, I'm just now realizing that I uh, have been... Uh, I didn't realize just how much of a Mel Brooks aficionado I am, as I'm just like, oh yeah, yep, 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 yep. Like, you know, I mean, I'm remembering <laughs> these roles, too. Yeah. Like, yep. yeah. Um, I could go on and on and on about him, mm. uh, but suffice it to say, he's done a lot of funny things. Uh, however, suffering from various physical ailments in his later years, mm-hmm. some of which were exacerbated by his obesity and his diabetes, mm-hmm. his health declined, and in 2009, he died at the age of 75. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, uh, here's a, a Mel Brooks quip about Dom DeLuise. Whenever he hired Dom for one of his films, he would instinctively add another two days to the schedule because of the constant laughter Dom provided on the set, especially when the camera started rolling. So speaking of that thing, I was also kind of trying to pay attention to the various actors 
uh, when they were sharing, specifically when they were sharing screen a shot with him in in frame. Um, yes. There was one very particular moment where Terrell Rothery, I could kind of tell that she was really trying not to break um, in a couple of scenes. You know, there was yep. the one scene in the in the where the, with the defibrillator specifically. Oh, and, yeah. uh, you know, and I was just I was I was immediately saying to myself, I bet you that was probably one of the hardest times that the actors had in keeping a straight face. Oh, yeah. Uh, which also might explain why so many shots were where he where Dom DeLuise was not in frame with another actor. There's a lot of shots him. Yeah. where it's just yeah. him. And, you know, from a storytelling point of view, it makes a ton of sense. He's basically a figment, a shared figment of imagination. But on the other hand, like, it sure is convenient to allow a person to go off and ad lib and riff when, you know, when everybody who's around him can go ahead and, like, you know, smirk because he's being so funny and you're not oh, yeah. ruining shots. Yep. Uh, you know, so this this is as good a time as any. Normally, we get to trivia in a little bit, and we'll get to some more of that. But I wanted to add a couple things. So apparently, sure. this episode used the most film in shooting up uh, of any episode oh. of Stargate up to this point <laughs> because of Dom DeLuise. Uh huh. Um, I imagine so. <laughs> um, in addition to that, uh, Christopher Judge and the writers made a mutual decision to reduce Teal'c's camera time because Judge had extreme difficulty in keeping a straight face with mm-hmm. Dom doing what mm-hmm. Dom does. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I believe it. I Such believe that it. many of uh, Teal'c's original lines were actually given to other members of the cast just mm-hmm. because he couldn't keep a straight face. Okay, we'll get yeah. to some more trivia in a little bit, but this episode, Originally aired on January 28, 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one in the charts in the U.S. was I Knew I Loved by Savage Garden. And in the U.K., I don't remember that song. But- I, I, I don't either. And and uh, I can't remember if I've confessed this already. I think I have because I think um, I Want You by Savage Garden was a number one at some point in our back, in our, in our back catalog. But I weirdly loved Savage Garden like you know so I'm sitting here I'm like I'm confident I know this song I, I bet you I know this song as soon as it starts playing I'm gonna know what it is uh, you know I even saw them in concert not too long after this episode aired that's how goofy of a person I am um, <laughs> but uh, 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 but but from just the uh, from just the title alone I'm sitting here like I can't remember this song so I'll have to pull it up and we'll, yep. we'll, we'll incorporate it in here somewhere. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll just wait for you to incorporate that somewhere in oh, the Oh, it probably already this. happened. It's It probably is behind us already. Yeah, okay. Well, that's that's wonderful. And so <laughs> you, dear listeners, already know this song, and we're yes. still just babbling about what the heck is oh, this yeah. all about. Oh, I yeah. Mean, that's that's how, that's how it works. And of course, in the UK, they didn't really care about Savage Garden, Gardens at all. <laughs> what they loved at this point in time was Britney Spears, and she was singing Born to Make You Happy. Okay, number one, I don't remember that song. So again, here we go with a here. Here it comes when you go through the box office. We'll have that behind the scenes, which undoubtedly oh, yeah. this is a sappy love song. But also that title, man. Oh my gosh. Uh, oh, it is a terrible title. Oh, okay. oh. The, the the saccharine quality of that one really makes me kind of queasy. The okay, there's the, there's the saccharine element, and then there's also the just like the the the, the like well friends. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I I was keeping this on early Britney Spears 
level. And now as you start talking, I, I, I move away from that. And, 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 and I see this in a different light now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Okay. No. No, yeah. No. Okay. okay. But uh, you know what I'm going to do, Zach? I'm going to I'm yeah. going to cue it up. Like I said, it's probably a it's probably a smooth it's just probably a smooth middle school dance jam where you <laughs> where your dance partner and you are literally two feet apart, and just because your hands are touching doesn't mean you're dancing. So <laughs> let's let's cue this up as you go through the box office. Here All right. Well, as we listen to some Britney Spears, the box office for January 28, 2000 was Eye of the Beholder, Next Friday, The Hurricane, Stuart Little, and The Green Mile. Hey, The Green Mile. Yep, it was uh, number five last time as well. What? Hanging in there. The, the bottom three didn't change. The only new one on I this list remember. is yeah, Eye of I'm... the Beholder. Eye of the Beholder. Is that like D&D? Do you think it's, a, it, you think it's like that? Like, like a Beholder? Yeah, do you um, think it's a D&D Beholder? You know... It would be far more exciting if it was. I completely agree. So uh, it's definitely a D&D beholder, and it is the eye of that beholder. You know what? It I is... bet you somebody should take Eye of the Beholder, which is undoubtedly not a D&D film, and recut it, first off, to be 15 minutes. And secondly, so that it ends with a beholder. Like, for Ooh. real. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I don't I even approve. know what the story is about, and I'm already like, yeah, that would probably be better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right, so what happened on the 28th of January 2000? Well, the answer to that question is not really anything notable. However, on the 29th, one day after this episode, Carl Mm -hmm. Malone of the Utah Jazz becomes only the third player in NBA history to score 30,000 career points. Jeez Louise, that's a lot of points. That's a lot of points. Um, He... uh, was behind Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Jabbar, Jabbar, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, mm-hmm. who had 38,387 points, and Wilt points. Chamberlain, who had 31,419 points. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's a lot of points. That's a lot of points. I scored uh, probably like 20 in my entire basketball career. I probably shot 20 times in my basketball <laughs> career. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be fair, my basketball career began and ended when I was in eighth grade. So <laughs> Yeah, I played in seventh and eighth grade, ninth and tenth and eleventh grade. Um, and it was terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Yeah. I probably scored um, more than twenty points, but probably not many more. <laughs> so that just tells you thirty thousand career points 30, is a lot. Thousand points. That's, um, and that's in the NBA. I mean, like And that's who in knows the NBA. Scored, no, admittedly right? you have like a hundred games in a season. Um, and if you play for 10 seasons, that's a thousand games. That's 30 points per game. Per Um, game. Every game. 30 points. Yeah. Yes. And of course, in this particular game, he finishes with 35 points. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. He was a scoring machine. Yep. All right. Let's move on. On January 30th, 2000, we had Super Bowl 34. It was in the Georgia Dome in Atlanta. St. Louis Rams beat the Tennessee Titans 23-16, and Kurt Warner uh, of the St. Louis Rams wins the MVP. Uh, Kurt Warner actually played his college ball at the University of Northern Iowa. Oh, hey. I didn't know that. Um, And he was undrafted, and he was actually working at, I believe it was a Hy-Vee as a bag boy. 
uh, yeah. when he got the call to join the Rams as a backup, and then uh, whoever their quarterback was got injured, and then he uh, got thrust into starting role, and then the rest is history. So he's now like, in the M. Uh, he's now in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, just imagining a twenty-something, an early twenties-year-old Kurt Warner. I don't know how tall he stands. I bet you it's measured like six seven, maybe taller. Uh, he's you know. probably like six three or six four. I would bet he's. Probably oh, okay. Not that well, tall. fine. Okay, maybe, but still, over six foot tall. At the end, you know, so you're sitting there. You 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 go up to the you go up to the checkout at the grocery store, and and you start putting your your items on the belt, and the cashier starts putting them through, and all of a sudden the cashier looks over and goes and goes, uh, Kurt, can you help me bag? And then like this giant of a man comes by. <laughs> 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 and then you and then like a little old lady be sure to put the cans on the bottom yes ma'am like <laughs> <laughs> yeah um my, my understanding is that he's a pretty cool guy he's pretty nice and uh uh well-rounded and sure and uh, understands what what life is actually about so that's pretty cool nice yeah um also on january 30th off the coast of ivory coast kenya uh off the coast of ivory coast Kenya mm-hmm. Airways flight 431 crashes into the Atlantic Ocean, killing 169 people. Yeah. I don't remember that. No, um, neither do I. Uh, and I guess it's a good thing that I don't remember this. I don't know. But, uh, you know, getting that back to that whole thing about uh, Britney Spears born to make you happy. On mm-hmm. the 31st of January, there was a fight between Ray Lewis, uh, who is a linebacker, I think, of the Ravens. And his companions and another group of people results in the stabbing deaths of two people, uh, Jay mm. Synth Baker and Richard Lawler. Uh, this res- results in the indictment of Lewis, uh, 11 days on murder and aggravated assault charges. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the result of that. Uh, his career keeps going and he's made it into the hall of fame of course this is 2000 so this is at a time when they would certainly have swept everything they could under the rug yeah they're a little less likely to do that today um and i don't know for sure how this ended up how this played out but Mm -hmm. there you go um also on january 31st family gp dr harold shipman is jailed for life for murdering 15 of his patients making him Britain's most prolific convicted serial killer. You. Yep. Yeah. No thanks. I don't like that at all. Nope. 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 Um so on on that, you know, pleasant and happy note. <laughs> shall we turn to things that make us laugh a little? Yes, please. Okay. We'll get to the trivia here. Uh Kay. I did mention some of the trivia earlier. Uh, Colonel Jack O'Neill describes Ergo as resembling a famous tenor, and mm-hmm. I have always imagined that uh, the famous tenor that he is referring to is Luciano Pavarotti, mm-hmm. at this point in time would have been very, very famous for being part of the three tenors, and of course his own operatic car- career, and if you take a picture of Dom DeLuise and Pavarotti and put them next to each other, they do look remarkably similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, Dom DeLuise played a caricature of an opera singer in The Adventure of Sherlock Holmes, Smarter Brother. The Adventure of Sherlock I'm, Holmes' Smarter Brother. Another uh, movie I've seen, which I, 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 I'm starting to realize that apparently I have a penchant for Dom DeLuise. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, let's see here. Since Ergo is an artificial life form that appears to have consciousness, the writers may have chosen the name as an alteration of the Latin word ergo. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, of course, from Rene Descartes' famous uh, line, cogito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am. Mm-hmm. Um, it also could be a portmanteau uh, with urge, since he can suggest but not compel. So you get the ergo and the urge, and you smash them together, and you get ergo. Mm, maybe. Yeah, I, that's probably... It, it, it's fun to think about. It, uh, sure. But, uh, you know, and, you know, let's be honest. Writers do crazier things than that. That's true. You're right. You're right. What character should name? What should this character's name be? Uh, well, let's see here. He thinks himself into existence and he can't control his urges. Urjo? Urjo! That's a good... Wait a minute. Let's try Ergo instead. Yeah, Ergo! Hey, there, there we go. go. Ergo. Right. Yeah, okay. Um, let's see here. Uh, in the uh, Illustrated Companion, Peter DeLuise is quoted as saying, Brad Wright... Uh, picked out the best bits for the episode, but the foul-mouthed, quote, European version is around there somewhere. Really? Probably really? not. I would love it. <laughs> it oh my goodness, awesome. I would too. <laughs> I would love to sit here and watch oh. the extra bits of stuff that oh. couldn't make it into the 44 minutes or do you 43 think, minutes. Do you, think they kept, do you think they kept those outtakes? I sure hope they did. You know, I, I, I bet that probably MGM, eh, you know, MGM I don't know. went bankrupt. I don't think, I doubt they did. I bet if they have been kept, they were kept on a quasi-legal basis by somebody like Peter DeLuise oh, or Dom because, or mean, Brad or somebody. Because it would be hilarious stuff, undoubtedly. Yeah. Just absolutely hilarious. Anyway. Yep. I hope they did. I don't yep. know if I'll ever see a single second of it, but I, I wish I will. Probably won't, but it would be awesome to do so. Sure would. Um, the title in other languages, in French, it's A Strange Companion. In Italian, it's mm-hmm. Implanted. And in mm-hmm. Spanish, <laughs> Czech, and Hungarian, it's Ergo. Well, yeah, I mean, that would make sense. <laughs> uh, we do have, go ahead. No, 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 I'm sorry, I just said the oh. word Ergo very fast, and so it probably, you know. Okay. We're there good. are a couple Carry of on. goofs in this episode. Well, mm-hmm. but there are two I want to highlight here. One, uh, you mentioned this earlier in that scene with the defibrillator, uh, is it defibrillating now? Love that line. That's mm-hmm. hilarious. And in any case, in that scene, of course, you have the shot. This is one of those shots where you do have Ergo standing there with other people actually in the, the shot itself. Yes. And yes. there is this uh, 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 the, the guard that's standing in the background who ostensibly can't hear or see uh, Ergo at all. And yet regularly you can see him just flick, flick his eyes back and forth, and every so often hide a smirk or a chuckle in there as he's trying to pretend that Dom DeLuise doesn't exist in the midst of all of this stuff. <laughs> it's really kind of funny to watch his eyes go clip, click. <laughs> that, that's okay, Extra. We, we couldn't help snickering either. Like. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, uh, in the scene, so there's that one scene that's reminiscent of uh, Harvey uh, with uh, Jimmy Stewart, uh, with uh, so Amanda Tapping, uh, Carter is walking down the hall and she's talking to Ergo. And of course, she everybody can see her, but nobody can see Ergo and all of mm-hmm. that. At the end of that scene, it cuts down to a shot with just uh, uh, Hammond and Frazier. Mm-hmm. And Don Davis turns to Frazier and says, Terrell, are you sure they're not insane? I didn't. Ca- oh my gosh. I'm surprised I didn't catch that. Yeah. Um, That's funny. so. Uh, yeah, he, I wonder. Uh, I wonder if the so sometimes I watch it with the closed captioning on just to um, make sure I don't miss anything. I didn't this right. time, uh, um, but I wonder if they closed captioned the word Terrell. Oh, that could be. I didn't 
look at that. That would have been fascinating to see. That would have been, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm super, I'm super curious. You know, I'm, so, so you, so Zach, you keep going. I'm literally going to pull this thing up to see if they do. <laughs> okay. You, you, just, so, you just keep while going. While I keep going. share the synopsis of the story, Brent's going to really quick rewatch the episode. Uh, basically. And also people are going to be hearing me like clickety-clacketing on a keyboard. Like it's going to be, this is, this is going to be terrible audio. This is going to be All disastrous right, well, audio, go. but I got I to gotta, I gotta know this. All right. So here we go. Here is yeah. the synopsis for Ergo. What do you do when the MALP sends back pictures of an idyllic tropical beach on the planet P3X884? Pack you go check it out. That's yeah, what yeah. you do. <laughs> Just to make sure it's suitable for habitation. You know, that's what you do. And so SG-1 gears up to investigate. Colonel O'Neill, Major Carter, Dr. Jackson, and Teal'c step through the Stargate as the Colonel educates Teal'c on the many ways to say goodbye to the General in different Earth languages. But the education stops suddenly when they exit the wormhole back in the SGC. The team is shocked. General Hammond informs them that they've been gone for 15 hours. Mm -hmm. The team goes to the infirmary, but despite not having any memories of the 15 hours they were gone, uh, still, Dr. Fraser can't find anything wrong with them. Now, after scrutinizing the video sent back by the MALP, Carter discovers that the beach image was indeed faked. Hidden on the video is a single frame of an alien room of some sort. During the briefing, O'Neill pours coffee for the rest of the team and the general. Surprisingly, it's very good coffee with just a hint of chicory. <laughs> Curious, mm -hmm. Tilk then grabs the whole pot of steaming hot coffee and downs the whole thing. Everyone sits there looking on, stunned. Not certain what to do, Hammond orders them all to just stay on the base. Mm -hmm. O'Neill is in the commissary eating a slice of pumpkin pie. See, it's a Thanksgiving episode. Pumpkin pie. Carter, Daniel, and Teal'c are all doing their own thing, but suddenly they get up from whatever they're doing and head out toward the commissary as well. They are all hungry. Arriving, they see the colonel next to a table filled with desserts of all kinds. SG-1 sits down with the colonel. They all notice how absolutely amazing it all tastes. The interesting thing is the, the colonel doesn't even like yogurt. Before they can get too far, however, in their impromptu dessert fest, SG-1 is called back to the infirmary. In the infirmary, Fraser arrives with more startling news. More extensive scans have determined that there is a small implant, smaller, in fact, than the head of a pin that has been placed in the brains of SG-1, all in precisely the same place in their brains. SG-1 is confined to isolation quarters for, with a 24-hour guard. There they will stay until they learn more about these devices. There they are, just sitting in the isolation quarters, doing their thing. Boring! Boring! Soon, Ergo reveals himself. He is a jovial, fun-loving mental projection. Ergo is the manifestation of the alien devices. Only SG-1 can see and hear him. Ergo wants to play. He wants to eat. He wants to learn and experience new things. This is, in fact, his mission. The implants exist to gather information for the aliens who put them into uh, the human brains. It is the means by which they explore. Ergo is here to learn. And while he can't quite control their actions, his power of suggestion and his ability to enhance the sensory experience does make a powerful motivator for the team. SG-1 wants to go back to the planet and have Ergo removed from their brains. 
but the fun-loving famous tenor look-alike begs them not to go, warning them that they'll be killed, and he'll be scooped out of their brains with a big scoopy thing. If they do, it's ergo or death. Death or ergo. Ergo enjoys being with Stargate SG-1. With, with SG-1, and encourages them both verbally and subliminally to show him new experiences. Meanwhile, they are trying to get rid of him. Carter theorizes that because the implants are electronic in nature, an electromagnetic pulse should disable them. Ergo tries to distract Carter, but finally pleads for his life, asking Carter not to throw the switch. But she does, and Ergo vanishes. O'Neill rejoices that the annoying little man, not-so-little-man, is finally out of his head. <laughs> Ergo, finally gone. With Ergo finally gone, Hammond orders them to stay on the base for a week, just to make sure. Unfortunately, the alien technology has a reset switch, and Ergo soon reappears, encouraging the team to join together in a rousing chorus of Row, row, <laughs> row your boat! SG-1 decides to pursue the aliens back uh, on the planet rather than living with Ergo for the rest of their lives. They send a MALP through the gate and use it to broadcast an audio message to the aliens. A deep, terrifying voice booms back at them. Who dares challenge Togar? Togar tells them that Ergo is an error. Ergo was not supposed to reveal himself. Bad Ergo, bad. And Togar <laughs> invites SG-1 back to the planet to have the implants removed. Ergo appears genuinely fearful of his, his impending fate, and Carter begins to ask him questions. She and Daniel soon conclude that Ergo may actually be sentient, that he may have become a living being. He is self-aware, he fears his own death, he is conscious, and he can think independently. Well, the team steps through the Stargate to the alien world and is instantly transported away in a flash of light. Togar appears and bears a striking resemblance to Ergo, though not nearly as fun. <laughs> he promises that they will not be harmed by the removal of the implants and demonstrates the procedure on another alien life form. But the team is not satisfied with simply having Ergo removed from their heads. And so they convince Togar of the possi they convince Togar of the possibility that Ergo is alive, and they try to convince him to let Ergo transfer to himself. Togar or death? Death or Togar? <laughs> Cake or death? Cake or death? With the implants mm, removed, because Ergo chooses Torgo. Ergo is safe and sound, and the team returns to Earth. But when they walk through the gate, they appear in the gate room with no memory of their experience on P3X884. Hammond informs them that they've been gone for more than 10 hours and orders them back to the infirmary. Mm-hmm. The end. The end. So, Brent. Mm-hmm. Ergo. Mm-hmm. Dom DeLuise. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? So, before we dive into it, I have done my homework. I indeed have, 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 have fetched an answer to the question of what does this? What do the subtitles say when uh, Don S. Davis screws up his line and says, "Terrell, do we really think that they're what you call insane?" Uh, he indeed says the word Terrell for sure, and the closed captioning says, "Doctor, what do you think?" Or "Doctor, you know." <laughs> so yeah, so the closed captioning fixes the mistake. <laughs> well, there with you a, go. With with a, with a word that could could theoretically be the word doctor if you take the word Terrell and mush it around a little bit. 
So, Terrell uh, Doctor, Terrell Doctor, Terrell Doctor. It's it's you know, yeah, it's I mean, a stretch. It's now, a bit of a stretch, but you I mean, can if you dubbed sort of in Doctor in there, the Terrell Doctor, the your mouth moves the same way, so you yeah. can dub that in there and fix that. But I, I was, you know, actually thinking to myself, like, I wonder if they went back over it and redubbed the audio, but nope, they didn't. Terrell, nope. do you think? You're... Uh, yeah. So, what did I think about this episode? So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm. I love, I love, I love comedic episodes. I love science fiction shows that have something serious to say, and then they choose to, for at least for 40 minutes, they choose to just kind of go a little wacky with it. Um, uh, I was having a lot of fun in this episode. I, I uh, was, I was about to say I was paying attention to the production value. It's true. I kind of was, but I was really much more just kind of. Uh, going along for the story ride. Uh, I was I was enjoying watching Dom DeLuise act. I was enjoying, um, you know, uh, seeing him bring this sentient character to life. Um, I uh, I was doing a couple of enjoyable eye rolls at the very beginning when they were obviously setting the script up to be a comedy. Um, <laughs> watching Richard Dean and uh, Richard Richard Dean. It, Anderson, um, watching Richard Dean Anderson deliver some of those real like punny back and forth quippy lines, and then also you know the lineup of of ways to say goodbye. You know, I mean, it was it was fun. It was it was enjoyable. I you know yeah. it was I was having a good time with it. Um, watching, <coughs> excuse me, watching um, watching Christopher Judge, uh, uh, you know, theoretically watching Teal ch- uh, ch- chug a half a carafe of hot coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that hot? <laughs> Extremely. Like, you know, that was yep. a that was a little, little clip that uh, our good friend David pulled out to to put in the promo and it was worth it because that's a that's just a, it's a great little moment. There was a whole bunch of great little moments. Yeah. Like, you know, watching Dom ad-lib so many lines, like, you know, it was just obvious he was just riffing. It was but it was still hilarious. It was great. And then so the story itself was fine. It was um you know, it was pretty tight uh, as far as like you know do i think that there are any loose ends that are going to come back i don't know maybe probably not um uh was it uh you know was was there anything about it that uh that i felt really moved the story forward the big story i don't think so um i would be delighted if some of this stuff came back in a meaningful way but i'm not expecting it to sure um and uh so you know like it was it was just a good time. It was just a good time of television. And I love, I love that. I love a good time of television from mm-hmm. time to time. You know, it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be all big and heavy all the time. Like you can just bounce around and have a good time sometimes. I've said the word time probably 18 times in the past, you know, I don't know, four or five time seconds. What do you think, yeah. Zach? Uh, well, <laughs> you know, as I, as I uh, foreshadowed last week, Brent, I love this episode. Yeah. I just find yeah. this fun uh you're right it's it's just a comedy episode it's just fun it's humorous um this episode was written for dom de Louise. uh this is actually apparently as i was reading in in the uh, illustrated companion uh up to this point at the very least dom de Louise was a big fan of stargate and oh, actually nice. knew it which actually made a lot of sense because a of lot course. of that stuff he's like uh Tilka Cree and stuff i mean yeah. yeah you could write that in but the way he says it and 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 the the feeling he has is someone who like knows in his bones what that means yes right um right. and so uh dom was a fan of the show and they wanted to bring dom in and dom wanted to do this 
Mm-hmm. And so they had to like, okay, so what's the right story for Dom? We need something that allows him to do what he does and all yes, this stuff. Right, and this is right. what comes out of that. And it's just absolutely delightful. What amazes me about this episode, Brent, is that uh, with all of his improvisation going on and you know the, the hours and hours and hours of film that they have to work with and they cut it down and all of this stuff and, and the way he yeah. goes off script and how much they were able to clearly get uh, of his improv into the story, what amazes me is how tight the story is. Oftentimes, when you get that kind of improv, you just kind of have to, you kind of have to say, well, okay, so that was that thing over there. We're going to ignore that right now as we continue on with the story. Uh, But we don't get that. This is actually a pretty tight story, um, uh, which is just fun. I think that's a credit to Dom DeLuise. Um, I think that as as I'm kind of thinking back at the moments, at first my brain was like, well, maybe it's because when he's going off the rails, he's going off the rails in a self contained little moment. Right. Where right. the moment doesn't necessarily have to advance the story. But now as I'm thinking about it, it's like, no, no. Like, sure. When he's riffing it, like, you know, for example, like when he was riffing what was going to happen to them if they got their if they got the little things removed, they're going to open up your yeah. head like a can opener. Right? You know, that thing um, <laughs> um, that that didn't actually advance the story much it was just him bluffing and so you know you can bluff in any number of directions well, well but he he didn't i mean the exaggeration there was that they're going to cut a, their your head open to get him out but yes. he did say he didn't say you know and then they're going to scoop me out and i'm going to be dead his biggest concern there was that he was going to die that's and that's kind of giving me back getting me back to like like dom knew the story like it was very mm-hmm. obvious and yeah. he knew he and he and he was given free reign to to bounce around, but he he was bouncing around in directions that kept moving the story forward, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Like that's that's you know instead of um instead of it being a um instead of it being a uh dang it what is the word um what's the style of comedy where improv instead of it just being an improv session where somebody's just coming in with a zany idea and it's a lot of fun watching the actors try to incorporate that zany idea. Um, instead he's ad-libbing in a continual direction and yeah. that's, that's pretty, that's pretty great. Cause it, yeah. it, it kept the story moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it just, I, I'm delighted by this episode. Yeah. I really am. It, it's just one of those episodes that, that makes me smile. I, I don't often go and watch episodes just, I don't often just pick an episode to watch, um, and, uh, of Stargate. Uh, but this is certainly me one that I would turn to and say, let's watch that one just because it's fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, this is good. This is yeah. good television. It was, it was enjoyable. I will say this, Brent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said that there's probably nothing in this episode that really comes back. It's all self-contained. And, and on some levels, you are right. We're never going to mm, see yes. Ergo again, which makes sense. It would be fun. It, you know, if we saw Ergo again, that'd be fun. Uh, but we're sure. never going to see Ergo again. That said, there are some elements of this very subtly placed that you probably didn't even notice. They just fit right into everything else that will come back in a future episode. Uh, and I'm just going to tease that right there for you. So uh, I'm going to resist the urge to to deconstruct this episode finding those things i've got a couple of ideas but um i'm gonna okay. resist that urge uh, so so just i i won't comment on anything but i'm curious what your ideas are well so i was um 
it struck me as interesting that the little tiny modules inside their brains looked an awful lot. At least it made me think an awful lot of the Nakwita device that was in uh, Cassandra's heart. Um, and so that one, I thought that there was going to be a bit more ominousness with that when it was first, when that scan was first revealed. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. you know, in this particular story, it just was, it just existed. It, 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 it itself was its own threat. It wasn't anything larger than that. Uh, but uh, I am, uh, uh, that is one of the things that's one of the MacGuffins that I'm immediately thinking of right now is, is the, uh, is these little itty bitty devices themselves at first. And then the other thing that um, struck me as possibly like something that might be continuing forward. I don't know why I'm thinking this though. Um, it was uh, Togar's little, like, you know, not only is like little gun device, but also the method of, of like you know the little <laughs> the little like you know tubes above it. <laughs> I thought the shot of Christopher Judge because wasn't it Christopher Judge standing next to um, Amanda Tapping? I think or maybe not. But the the height difference of the actors was kind of obvious. At one point, I think Christopher was like crouching inside the little tube light in order to get the thing sucked out of his brain. I thought right. it was just interesting. But so I don't know why that's kind of sticking out. But like that is sticking out a little bit. Like you know that that might be something i don't know now that i'm saying it out loud it doesn't i'm gonna yeah <laughs> okay well i i promise that yep, uh, don't say anything in 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 a future episode when we when some of these little things uh manifest themselves uh i i will point them out uh at least in broad strokes if not in specifics and yeah, uh, i mean we'll, I uh, we'll I, learn more I about I catch them myself yeah yeah um so maybe that really handsome uh uh Air Force officer makes a return. Uh, the the irresistible one. It's 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 possible. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm sure. I mean, I'm there's... certain we will see his face again. I was gonna say there's 64 <laughs> more chances. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, gotta be honest. I'm playing with the odds on that one. Yep. Yep. Um, I don't remember if I mentioned this before. Um, but Peter has two younger brothers. Um, mm-hmm. uh, David is one, and now I'm blanking on the other one's name. In any case. Mm-hmm. Michael, maybe? I don't think that doesn't sound right. In any case, uh, Peter has two younger brothers, and both of his younger bl- brothers uh, enter into the Stargate universe as different characters in future episodes. Ah, so nice. We'll see okay. them in future episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, yeah. So that whole family just kind of gets involved in, in this process. Nice. Yeah. Um, do you want to uh, turn it into a more philosophical direction and ask the question, does thinking make you amming? Uh, you, I mean, yeah, we well, certainly can, because, you know, that's half the joy of Star. Of, of Star. I was going to go with science fiction. That, that word in my head was science fiction, but Stargate was about to pop out of my mouth. Um, <clears throat> that's okay. Uh, the, the uh, you know, thinking and amming thing, there was a pretty good, uh, well, I mean, it's, it's uh, Descartes' own, own logic of how the very act of being aware means that you are a thing because if you were not a thing you could not be aware of a thing um and you know it, it, even though that's that's circular logic it certainly is uh you know a pretty compelling um definition of 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 emness the the catch though is that the um that that argument at least as i understand it it really is uh you know incredibly subjective i don't think it is useful to use that as an objective definition about sentience 
uh, it really felt to me like that is a kind of self-contained argument that makes a self feel confident that they exist rather than not exist um, versus trying to use that as a lens in order to figure out if something else you know, well, quote, and, exists or not. And and that, as I understand it, Descartes' original argument, uh, cogito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am, the I becomes very important. Yes. He's trying to time uh, what is the world, what is existence, all of this stuff, do we exist? Right. And he's like, right. well, um, I when I look at other things, I can't know for sure what's going on in your brain. Um, right. But I can't. I know that I'm thinking about things. Right, 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 right. I know that I'm doing these things, um, which suggests then, well, okay, so if I think, then I have to begin with therefore. I think and therefore I am. I am, yeah, right. And then he builds on that into whatever else goes on, and I'm not a Descartes philosopher, so I couldn't really go into all the details of where he goes from that point. Uh, but that's where he begins with the, the saying, well, okay, I think, therefore I am. And ultimately today, then that becomes something that I can make an affirmation about myself, right. but it is an affirmation that uh, is inherently unprovable by anybody else. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, that was where my brain was going too. And I wanted to be like, you know, Mr. Smarty Pants and pull out a big word uh, because it's, it's ontonology, isn't it? It's, isn't it the theory of knowing or like the study of knowing? Um, um, ontology. Ontology. Uh, and the concept here is that um, I think, therefore, I am, but I cannot say you think, therefore, you are, because from my perspective, you could not exist at all, and it still would look like you are thinking, but that doesn't mean that you are. We've only reduced it back to I am. Yep. And uh, you could still be a figment of my imagination. Correct. And that doesn't prevent me from thinking and therefore being. Um, right. But I still can't prove from there that you actually exist. You might be a figment of my imagination, but I cannot be a figment of my imagination. Right. There, because I am. Um, and I, I, <laughs> and it's, it's delightfully circular. <laughs> like, <laughs> <there's>, <laughs> it's, it's just a giant rabbit hole of unproven ability. Um, but yeah, but it, it is nice that they decided to kind of go at that angle a little bit when trying to define what sentience is. Now, I think that it probably was a bit of a false flag. You don't necessarily verify that something should be treated as sentience just because they are thinking. Um, uh, well, I don't know. Why? Well, I mean, I mean in, some in of those other things were situation, more They were saying um, he, uh, oh, I got to find it in my notes here. Um, he, uh, you can cut this boring part out because I'm not <laughs> finding it. Um, but, you know, he's like, he thinks he's afraid of death. Um, yeah. He's yeah. conscious. Um, and now I'm not finding it in my notes. And I know it's here. Yeah. I should just do a search for conscious because I know it's the, there it is. There we go. He is self-aware. He fears his own death. He is conscious, and he can think independently. Um, whether or not those are actually all uh, flags of definitive sentience uh, is really hard to tell. Uh, um, so this is a problem that um, science fiction runs into pretty fast because all of our stories are assuming that alien life forms will exhibit meaningfully human styles of existence 
And that's not a bad assumption. And there are certainly uh, television episodes and stories that play around with that notion that quite obviously have a little bit of enjoyment posing the question, when an organism behaves in a way that does not line up with our understanding about how consciousness works, does that mean that they are any less sentient? And obviously, many of the better stories get into the framework of, well, no, you can't necessarily call that shot just because that silicone based or silicone, ha, that silica based um, life form is exhibiting, uh, you know, exhibiting impact on its environment around it that does not look anything like sentience that we, as we define it. Right. It just might be using a different definition. We have to get back to Rene Descartes there. Uh, If if we begin with the idea that I think, therefore I am, and if you can expand that to uh, we as humans think, therefore we are, um, Mm. whenever we are examining the other, we can only examine the other through our own experiences, through our own lenses. So as I examine you, Brent, for example, mm-hmm. I can make an assumption that you probably exist and you probably think because you exhibit some of the same behaviors and processes that I experience in myself. And that's yes. how I engage <clears throat> the world. So it makes sense that science fiction in particular uh, would make that assumption that if we look at non-human sentience, that we would be seeking out um, elements that look similar to me. Because I know that I think. um, And so if you being alien from me also think or exhibit some of the things that I recognize as what it means for me to be thinking, then Mm -hmm. I can make the assessment that, well, maybe you think too. Um, now there is a flaw in there because we've got this circular logic going on. All right. Uh, right. But, but it makes sense that, that that's at least, and it's a legitimate place to begin. It's not a fair place to end. Uh, that yes, absolutely. The, the, the hemming and hawing that I'm doing has more to do with a recognition that we might be setting ourselves up for failure, uh, if we don't expand our definition. Um, what do I mean? Uh, I'm riffing off of that Albert Einstein quote, something along the lines of that, if, uh, uh, something the quote is something along the lines of that if you are if you're uh, if you're deeming a fish's successful ability as climbing a tree it's always going to look like an idiot like it, the the, mm. the notion yeah. is like like you're just you're using the wrong metric to define what is uh success and again I'm butchering that quote but the but the gist is that um you know if we're starting off the definition of sentience based off of uh, of a similar of there's a better word, not even similarity. It's like a similitude or something um, to how humans engage with thought, thinking, and self-awareness. Um, you could be just doing a big swing and a miss. I'll give you a real-world example. Um, I think it's been in the past maybe 20 years of research into uh, forest growth and forest uh, interaction is a decent way to say it. There is a fungal uh, network common amongst almost every forest, uh, which is, you know, just these these little hair width uh, tunnels of fungus, which uh, uh, kind of intertwine among the very tiniest of roots of trees, and they then form these vast networks across forests, uh, even across different species of trees, and. Uh, there we have we have learned that these fungal networks do 
all sorts of really interesting things. There's a really good podcast that I can't even remember the name of, which kind of goes into the depth of the thing. But uh, the fungal network is inter is also being used by the trees themselves to do things like signal when there's a sick tree, pull down chlorophyll out of its out of its uh, system, pull sugars out of its system, transfer those things to some to some other or- organism within the network. Um, the the mycelial network also does things like repel invaders through the act of actually like killing insects, like actively attacking things. Um, there's an there's ample evidence that these networks sure do function an awful lot like the synaptic networks inside our own heads. And if you start looking at forests at a macro level, instead of looking at the tree, you start looking at the forest, um, it really starts to look like the forest is making decisions for its own survival. Is now the forest a sentient element? that I went that was a big leap that I just made like I went from it looks like the forest is making decisions for its own survival something that is common across organisms all over the place all the way to is that forest sentient there's a whole lot in the middle that that I'm acknowledging I just skipped right over the top of right. but it starts to at least tease the idea of oh well if I frame up my idea of sentience a little differently I might see this organism behaving in a way that looks like self-awareness. And uh, and I'm going to just uh, pick up on that and, and push mm-hmm. back a little bit, because in your example, what you did is, uh, I mean, when we examine a tree, we're like, yes. oh, okay, it's a tree. Blah. But when we examine the forest, all of a sudden it starts as a unit, a macro unit, beginning mm-hmm. to exhibit things that we have already identified as mm. consciousness based on what? Our experience. Our experience. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. But I think that's where my, I think that's where I take your pushback and I push back. Um, in so much as we might still fall down in understanding whether or not something is actually sentient because the forest version of sentience might not look sufficiently like the human version. And we might then say, oh, it's not. Okay, Whereas, fair. you know, it's, it's, it, now we're back to ontology. How on earth would we know it? We get into some of the more really good questions about, um, uh, uh, there's a, probably a perfect word for it, uh, you know, like the Zeno, like sociology, um, where the concept of would we even know a sentient alien if it smacked us in the face? Like, we might not. It might, it might exhibit, aspects of sentience and consciousness that make perfect sense to them and it and absolutely uh makes impact in its own environment in ways that we would want to see as far as a sentient species is concerned but every decision that it's making it just looks like it's maybe random or every decision it just looks like it's it's like like why on earth wouldn't they develop their technology or i don't know you know what i mean like like we might be like completely swinging and missing just because they are so different from us that we just don't even have a way to engage with it well the the reality is that in any system uh, the questions you ask dictate the answers you receive. Mm, yep. And if you yep. don't ask the yep, if you don't ask certain questions, you're not going to receive certain answers. Yeah. Um, and that just means that we need to be constantly examining the situ- the system, so that we mm-hmm. can ask the the system the questions mm-hmm. that will actually allow the system to answer itself. Um, yes. And also, Sorry, by the I'm way, this is an aside. 
uh, ontology is the study of what makes us be, uh, 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 you know, the nature of our oh. being. And I believe it's epistemology. Epistemology. That is of of, of, of knowing. Uh, yeah, yeah, as yeah, yeah, we're yeah. talking, I'm like, wait a second. I got to get my words correctly. Correct yeah, here. Wrong so uh, it, it's not ontology, it's epistemology. But even still, they're kind of, they're, I mean, that might be why I got them confused in my head. They're a little related. They're, I mean, they're very yeah. distinct. They are truly distinct. But. Sure. You and I, in our conversation, we kept swirling around aspects of being as a proxy of access of 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 aspects of knowing, and vice versa. Well, you know, being asks the question: What is your fundamental nature on some level? Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Knowing is, is, you know, asking the question: Is uh, do I recognize that the being is so? Mm. Uh, so they are related questions, uh, mm-hmm. but they they also connect in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for instance, there is, so far as we know, rocks have no cognitive process. Right. So, if I look at a rock, it has an ontology. It has a state of being. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. any mm-hmm. sense of self-knowing, because as mm-hmm. far as I can tell, there is no cognitive process going on there. Um, and theoretically... um the rocks that we're engaging with are like dead rocks that there could theoretically, and I'm going way out on a, on a limb right now. Now you're there delving could into science fiction. Yeah, that's right. We could be, we, there could be an aspect or a, 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 a phase of, of the material of what later solidifies into what we call rocks um, that could engage with some kind of thing that would resemble some kind of sentient process whereby we would say, oh my gosh, this thing's actually living. We're just looking at the, we're looking at the shells or we're looking at the dead parts or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, that, that, which, yeah, yeah totally so, dives us into science fiction, like big time and a lot of fun. It's which brings us back to, you know, ergo. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I think, therefore I am. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, that was fun. I think, Brent, that, uh, I think, therefore. I think, Therefore, uh, we should give our ratings out of seven yeah. chevrons. Yeah. Uh, on this yeah. fun episode, Ergo, uh, we do have a number of predictions. I know I have two emails and uh, at least three comments at this point in time. Uh, I will refresh this page and check to see how many other comments we have. Still just those three. Uh, so we'll assume that mm-hmm. that's what we've got. Uh, so we will. Oh, and I've got one from my wife. She handed me. Her predictions for what oh. we're doing. So we yeah. have <laughs> six predictions. This is exciting. Okay. This is this is so. This is before we open up what people believe us to think, uh-huh. uh huh. I'm going to ask you <laughs> to tell us what you actually think, Brent. Uh, I, what I actually what? So I will I will I will tell you the machinations of my mind. Okay. So this episode was fun. I loved watching Dom DeLuise act. I enjoyed how the story progressed. It just now opened up a couple of great opportunities to really dive into some philosophical questions, which is another thing that I just absolutely adore. Um, the uh, I, I was in it for the ride. I enjoyed it. I wasn't thinking too much about how it was made or what kind of, I wasn't getting bored or annoyed or anything like that. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to deviate from my tradition, Zach. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to give this thing a part score. And part of the reason why I'm going to give it a part score is because I am still reserving some of the best Chevron ratings possible for moments where my mind is blown and it feels like so much about the universe makes more so much more sense because right. of it. 
I'm going to pause there and just inform you that there is an eighth Chevron that exists out there. Yeah, but... Okay. So, I'm still... For me, my definition is still going to be that seven represents perfection. Eight represents I I have changed what I understand perfection to be. (laughs) (laughs) So, 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 there's a little more addition. There's a little more framework on the scale. I'm going to give Ergo six and three quarters of a chevron this thing was <laughs> so much fun so much fun so delightful um i enjoyed every second of it uh i wish that i could watch more episodes with dom de in it um i don't know if that'll ever happen if it does that'll be oh my gosh i'll be so happy um it does this actually like tie in stuff with the story on the whole no no does this does this elevate what i could perceive perfection to be no no it it doesn't that either um but is do i feel like it's worth six chevrons no it's not it's worth more than that so (laughs) so this is a very special episode of stargate i'm giving it a very special rating there you go 6.75 after all Mm -hmm. of this time of insisting that brent doesn't give partial ratings i will i will i will return to that rule i will absolutely return to that rule but this was a special episode so i promise zach that if i see dom de Luis in any more episodes i will give partial ratings that's the rule now dom de Luis, partial ratings no dom <laughs> no partial rating okay we'll see if if that doesn't get an addendum at an, in the future <laughs> <laughs> um now i have to think about what i'm going to give this score i I've been wrestling with this. Um, uh, you know, it, it definitely is a high score. It's yeah. it's more than five. Um, and I'm try I'm wrestling. It's like, oh, do I give it a seven? Do I give it a six? Do I give it a seven? Do I give it a six? <laughs> it, and and uh, you know, because this is an episode that I would go back and I would watch it. And frankly, anybody on the planet could sit down and watch these 44 minutes of television and would understand what's happening for yes. 99.7% of the whole thing. This yes. gets from me a seven chevron. Woo! Seven! Yay! Psh. All right. Now, Brent. Yes. Recognizing that you have... We have indoctrinated our listeners that you don't give partial Chevron. Yes. Um, is it fair, before we delve into these various predictions, to say that's close enough that you gave it a seven for the purpose of other people's prediction? I will grant that. If somebody says that I'm going to give it a seven, I will say close enough. You get the you get the prize. What, what, what okay. do we have a prize? I can't remember. Like, well, we we we, have we we have talked about producing a prize of, of, of some way if somebody nails both of our predictions both of ours okay all right so we've if had both... some people get mine some people that get yours but yeah. never that anybody has gotten both of ours exact so for purposes of uh for purposes of prediction if 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 folks say that you and i both give it a seven we'll call that we'll call that a success all right uh we will start with uh my wife okay she predicts that you and i together will uh, aggregate a score of 12 which is six from me <laughs> and six from you. Or seven and five. <laughs> uh, very close. And, and, and very an excellent, close. And, and, and an excellent way to, uh, to, to, to uh, uh, predict how the scores would work is to come up with an aggregate. That's an interesting Ooh, way to wow, say Wow, that, yeah. th- that adds a whole level of wrinkle. That, that it sure I'm, does. Um, all right, let's view the Facebook predictions. We have JD. Okay. Predicting 
a five from me and a six from Brent if he's in a good mood, four if he's in a bad mood. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> uh, JD, <laughs> there, there's some truth in that. JD uh-huh. gives it a three uh, saying Ergo is fun for a while but gets irritating near the end. Um, oh, no, I disagree. That's okay, though. Okay. That's how we know we're different. Kelly McGlynn says sevens all around. Mm-hmm. This is a fun episode that I always look forward to. You can't go wrong with Dom DeLuise. Kimberly. I think she got it, doesn't it? Didn't she, she did. Get it? I think so. Okay. Kimberly also says seven for both. Ergo is oh. one of my favorite episodes. No world explanation. So n- no world expansion. So no eighth chevron to tickle Zach up higher. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, wow. We got two winners. So now we have two winners. Uh, now I'm looking on, uh, we have a couple emails, one from mm-hmm. Arnock. Mm-hmm. Arnock says, I predict that Zach will rate Ergo six chevrons and mm-hmm. that Brent will rate it five and one half. Oh, wait, just five oh! chevrons. <laughs> so Arnock predict, correctly predicted that I would break from my tradition and give it a, ha- a part score. A part score, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so close. Close. Uh, But now we have one more. This is from uh, David, Uh uh, our wonderful author of these various promos. Yes. And he predicts... Oh, okay. Nothing terribly exciting. He's going to suggest that I give it 6.5 chevrons. Yeah. And he's going to suggest that you give it six chevrons. Oh! And... Not a bad prediction. Not a bad prediction. Yeah. Um, He says, great, but it's one... Um, one of the filler episodes that could fit in any season almost went for seven for both of you, but it's not Teal'c almost turning into a swarm of bugs, but then having a squirt gun battle instead. <laughs> type of stupid for rent. <laughs> As for Seth, it's just not the perfect Stargate episode to warrant chev- seven chevron. So I will also freely confess that um, I delighted in this episode, no question. It's true if it started off kind of doing a disservice to having Dom DeLuise on, right? Like if it started off by like being a little too ham and not not really enough story. And if I got about to the halfway point and I said, what is the point of this thing? And then they went all in with the stupid. Like if they went like all in with like this thing is not going to make any sense at all. And don't even think about it any longer. It might have pushed it up to perfection in that same way that Bane was. The reason that Bane was so good for me was that they went all in with the silly, silly, tropey things that they were deciding that it was a good idea. And I'm like, all right, you, I'm in. I am here for this. So, alas, alas, they did not. Alas, they, they, they kept it on the up and up and, and actually did a good job making a good oh. story. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So we are now, Brent, we have moved past the world of hypothetical into the world of reality because Kelly and Kimberly both deserve something for getting the predictions correct. Um, And I don't know what that is. So Kelly and Kimberly, by all means, email us and tell us what you think is an appropriate awesomeness. Yeah, 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 yeah. um, You know. Maybe you have a friend who needs a birthday greeting who has no idea who we are, and we can just call him up anyway and be like, hi, (laughs) we're two random people wishing you a happy birthday. There you go. Don't Um, forget to like and subscribe. (laughs) 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 Yep. Yep. There you go. Mm. So, uh, Brent. Yeah. After 
the zaniness that is Ergo. Yep. It is time to look into the future for the next episode. Yes. The next episode is entitled A Hundred Days. And so I ask you, what is A Hundred Days about? Hmm. Okay. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travels through the gate. And that's the last we'll see of them for this episode. Join us for an inside look about what happens inside the SGC. Day one, we're following the path of Staff Sergeant Johnson as he goes through his extremely interesting day of checking ordinance, filing paperwork, exacting discipline, going to the mess hall, getting a physical. (laughs) Day two. Let's take a look over there at, at Corporal Peters. She's a fantastic officer who has been transferred here from the Pentagon. She looks over briefings and analysis. She's making important decisions. Day three. Let's go over here to General Hammond. Regular of the show, but we don't really see what he does. Watch him as he enjoys a round of mini-golf. Enjoy his antics as he's watching a Laurel and Hardy movie. Day five. Here we're back to... Join us next time on Stargate SG-1 for a hundred days. hundred days, a hundred different stories. Which would be pretty cool. It would be tough to do, though, because you'd have to be doing like one every 30 seconds. So, yeah. you know, that that's not yeah. actually feasible. But... I don't know. I'd watch it. Maybe you could take know. you could take the highlights of hundred days. Sure. Yeah, you could. There you go. Ah, uh, well, shall we watch the promo and see for ourselves what hundred days is all about? We shall. I am ready. All right. I am going to hit go now. Next time on Stargate SG One. Big old fireball. Oh no. Disaster strikes while on a routine mission. Oh no. And Colonel Jack O'Neill is left stranded. But after building a new life for himself, will he ever want to return home? It's all next time on Stargate SG-1. He's getting a smooch on. He is getting a smooch on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's, not, uh, it's not what I thought. It is not 100 days in the life of random people in the SGC. I would watch that episode. But this one, this one looks all right, too. Like, you know, now we're going to be into some uh, core definitions about, uh, you know, what to do. When your life gets turned upside down, what do you do? Yeah. Yep. Nice. So this is 100 Days, and we will tackle that next time on Walking Through the Stargate. Yeah. So uh, tell us what you think about Ergo. Uh, We've heard a few comments already. Uh, Tell us more. Tell us what you think about 100 Days. Tell us what you think about uh, Rene Descartes and his philosophy of I think, therefore I am. (laughs) Tell us what you think about uh, whatever else, epistemology and uh, ontology and all those fun ologies out there. Uh, tell us what you think. 
You can do that by emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. You can follow us and talk to us on Twitter at Stargate Walking, or find us and continue the conversation on Facebook, the Walking Through the Stargate Facebook group and page. And with that, I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.